Victoria and I are definitely not considered the average consumer anymore. Right. Hope you guys know that. <laughs> but <laughs> if you give me a survey and ask me, hey, does your skin feel better recover from your daily environmental stresses? I'm going to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is the Chemist Confessions podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Gloria. And this is a human conversation on all the skincare science we talk on the daily. Today, we are talking about soothing skincare. Soothing, a very big category that keeps growing. Uh, yeah, a very mysterious category. Um, today, we it is a decode episode, so we will go through a couple of examples on soothing. But before that, let's do a brand update. Woo! So um, we haven't really talked about this very much, but no. we actually have a subscription option, especially yeah. on the fundamental part yeah. of our routine. So for our cleanser, Ms. Reliable and Aquafix, we have a lot of uh, fans that have incorporated it into their routines long term. For some term. time. Yeah. So um, definitely take advantage mm. of the subscription option if you haven't yet. Yeah. You get a discount and there's a long-term subscription bonus. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And in other news, our first hatchery has already been kicked off, <gasps> uh, which is mind-blowing. It took us a year, more than a year, I feel like, to get this back up and running. I feel like this is a, a classic. It's, it was almost a situation that reminds me of Mr. Reliable 2.0. Yeah. Like, oh, the concept, so clear-cut. <laughs> the actives, awesome. It's going to be put together in six months and then a month later. I don't know if I love the concept. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know, Victoria. Is this right? <laughs> Will people goal? like it? <laughs> Is this helpful? Yeah, so, but finally, we're excited that it's kicked off. But if you are feeling some FOMO and wish you were in on it, don't worry because we are actually gearing up for our second hatchery, which Whoa. I know many of you are like, I don't believe it. What's up with you guys? These people can't get this thing together for a whole year. Now there's two. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned and definitely you still have a chance to sign up. So please go to our website, check out the chemist crew and sign up where we all technically are looking for people who are really passionate about their cleanser. Yep. Also, if you are a blank slate loyalist or maybe didn't love it, um, we highly suggest you to fill out the form and yeah, sign up for this one. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that's it for the brand updates. Yeah, we are gearing up for the holidays. We are putting together our classic holiday kits. So well, that stuff will be coming out a yep. little later down the road. Um, all right, let's get into it. In the news. What's in the news today, Victoria? Eh, it's kind of slow. Yeah, um, I think everything now is just waiting for a holiday season. Yeah, yeah. But it's so slow that I thought this was the most interesting thing to share. <laughs> Mercedes-Benz is debuting a fragrance trio. Ew, does it smell like money? <laughs> is that what it smells like? It smells like leather and gasoline. I don't know. <laughs> Manly. <laughs> yes. So they have unveiled a new men's fragrance trio. Mm-hmm. And I guess the three are the land, sea, and air. Fire, forest, love. <laughs> I am Captain Planet. Heart. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Is that yeah. a data reference? That must be a slightly Probably. data reference. Very sad, but Captain, um, Captain Planet was great. Yeah. <laughs> this was created by a master perfumer and Flippo. The trio unites around a common base and can be worn separately or layered, Layer? creating seven different combinations in total. Oh, they're trying to sell the whole trio. Ooh. 
I don't know if dudes are into this. I'm like, I'm going to mix and match my own fragrance this morning. Yeah, guys, let us know. <laughs> like, yeah. Would you, would you experiment? You know what's really funny is when um, my husband and I first started dating, uh, I forgot what perfume he used, but he yeah. has his like, you know, all, all guys have their trusty like date number three perfume or something <laughs> like that. He had a bottle of that. Yeah. And, and after date number 10 or something, he stopped wearing perfume. <laughs> Got her. We're and, done. We're like, going to save this. Put it back. <laughs> yeah, he told me that, oh, he ran out. Uh-huh. So for his next birthday, I bought him a bottle oh, okay. of what I like. I don't remember what he used, but I bought something that I like. And I gave him to him. He's like, oh my God, baby, thanks so much. The number of times he's used it since then, it's been about a good six years, is probably two. <laughs> so I don't think he is the type of guy that will be mixing and matching yeah. his own fragrance, but... Yeah. Kind of, kind of interesting concept. I gotta be honest, I barely can like handle the spritz. Or I guess what I mean is, I find different brands. The spritz level is different. Yes, and yeah. you have to fine tune. Yeah. So then to layer on top, I feel like is a complexity like where my brain might explode. Yeah. Yeah. I have the I have this problem because last year I went through a phase. I'm like, you know what? It's post COVID. We're going outside again. Yeah. I need new fragrance. Yeah. I went shopping and I tried so many things. Okay. And I end up hating a lot of a lot of ones I like initially. I end up really hating like the mm-hmm. base note, the thing that lingers for like hours at the end. Yeah. I'd be really scared to layer and mix and match. You create something, you're just like, why? I smell like skunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but interesting concept. Yeah, so kind of fun. Nonetheless. Second bit of news. This is about Lush. Lush has done a lot of, I feel like, unconventional things. Things mm-hmm. like closing down their social media and whatnot. Mm. So um, their latest change is Lush is to revolutionize the hair industry by opening their first hair salon. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lush is truly getting into the hair game now. Um, So their first hair salon will be in Brighton. Um, Terrible soccer team. But I'm sorry. (laughs) Actually, they did well last year. My bad. Sorry. Um, So their cosmetics brand Hair Lab will take a holistic approach to hairdressing and barbering cater to all hair types, reducing salon waste, and feature a spa for your head. Spa for my head. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So generally interesting because they really rely on the brick and mortar. <laughs> Wait, sorry, sorry. I just have to read this line. Uh-huh. It will feature a botanical washroom where clients are bathed in light and sound. <laughs> what? <Ooh. laughs> the mm. vibrations? <laughs> I just imagine you're like putting a room and all you hear is like chirping. <laughs> <laughs> or just yeah just uh what do they do the sound bath yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah interesting but that's not all the news i wanted to share i don't know if you feel like this glory but i feel like halloween is like earlier and earlier you start seeing halloween stuff in the summer i think costco was already carrying halloween costumes oh yeah, right? yeah. i already on. see you know those like pop-up specialty halloween costume yes. stores i already see a couple yeah. So, um, but anyways, uh, Lush also has some fun skincare, and I always feel like we are the type of people that look at things maybe a little too analytically or a little too critically. <laughs> yeah, you're but right. I did want to celebrate that Lush's they have some like fun Halloween themed skincare. Um, so these are a couple of I'm going to show it to her now. They have like a body scrub that's kind of like more of this like witch's brew, um, which is like purple and it's kind of like it's really vibrant. So Mm -hmm. and this is for your shower. So fun times. Mm -hmm. They also have kind of like a aromatherapy spray Mm -hmm. um, that's actually in a packaging that's like a almost like a house cleanser spray to uh spritz. 
Um, and they also came out with like really brightly colored blue lip scrub. It just looks wild and gnarly. <laughs> it's like kind of a Smurf blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just generally think that's it's just generally fun. The price points are are relatively not expensive. It's like eight bucks, I think, for the scrub. But yeah. that's fun. Yeah, I think I'm not someone that shops thematically throughout yeah. the seasons yeah. but i was thinking it's like well it's kind of fun yeah i think with like bright colors and whatnot i think you know you never know for those um when you're doing i don't know like halloween parties and whatnot it's just like oh i haven't seen that kind of like thematic skincare in a while yeah, yeah. but anyways and that's it for the news <laughs> <laughs> really really slow day so mercedes perfume and that's it and halloween skincare happy halloween it's not even close yet yeah it's uh we're still got one month out was the first week guys <laughs> yeah so uh, in two weeks guys we'll see what kind of news we're talking about <laughs> all right but that's totally fine because we actually have a pretty hefty decode part today we're going to decode a bunch of sensitive skin stuff Dun, dun, dun. I feel like is it me or I feel like it's like really kicked up lately? Oh yeah, I feel sure. like it's always been. Um, I think sensitive skin has always been a pretty big topic in mm-hmm. skincare, but I feel like it's really taken off lately. It's usually you used to see stuff that's more like, oh, this line is fragrance free, so mm-hmm. it's sensitive skin friendly. And now I think the claims are getting a lot more aggressive mm-hmm. in terms of actively soothing or anti retinas, mm-hmm. and yeah, totally. And that's exactly why. We ended up breaking it down into three categories. We're so good at charts. Charts are coming, guys. <laughs> Tears, pyramids. <laughs> and the three categories is really based on their claims. Mm. And the categories are could be better, better, and best. Mm. And the reason being is you'll see that for anything that's really geared towards sensitive skin, redness, soothing, all bets are off. If mm. you go into Sephora and you do a Google search for things like uh, soothing skincare, it is just wild the things that they will push towards you. So we're going to start with the first category, could be better. And the reason why it could be better is because there's really no relevant testing for this product, mm-hmm. um, but it seems to cater to soothing. And so for this example, we're going to talk about Paula's Choice in their clear line, which is usually geared towards acne. They have a product that's called the Anti-Redness Exfoliating Solution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you go into this product, um, you will see that they list some sort of testing, but weirdly enough, it doesn't seem like it's actually geared towards the redness part. They actually talk about how um, this is a, they did a consumer perception. And what it says is after using all products in the extra strength clear system for four weeks. Note that this font is in the tiny, tiny font family. <laughs> so you might just see the outfront claim, uh, which is, 96% of the users agreed that pores appear smaller. Mm. 88% users saw a decrease in severity of their acne. And you're like, I'm on the market for redness. <laughs> and then you squint and you zoom in and you're like, oh, it's their entire clear system. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I could not find a single reference to the redness aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, only tie is in their actual product description where they say this gentle leave-on exfoliant with sal acid clears breakouts, unclogs, and minimizes pores and fades red marks from past breakouts, which I think is a very different concept than maybe an anti-redness toner. Yeah, definitely. The name definitely makes the expectation level a little confusing and probably slightly misleading. The ingredient list is very simple. It's Mm -hmm. glycerin, dipotassium, glycerizate, Elantuan, salt acid, panthenol, sodium hyaluronate. Yeah. Yep. Seems like a pretty straightforward 
lightly moisture, um, lightly hydrating toner yeah, with some soothing some, ingredients. Yeah, and some cell acid. So this would be one where like, uh, could be better and we just wouldn't look towards this for any sort of true soothing help. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to better. So better, I would say, is clinical and consumer perception, but is a little funky generally with some of the claims. So uh, we are going to look at skin fixes, redness recovery, and antioxidant peptide treatment mask. Oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their ingredient list is pretty dense. I, I'll let Gloria go through it. Oh, um, Gloria, <laughs> <laughs> will go through I it. I can go through it and then let like, Gloria feel, like, see how she feels. So the list goes water, glycerin, tridecyl neopentanoate, ceteral ethyl hexanoate, vegetable oil, propane diol. You've got a bunch of polymers. You've got, uh, and we're going to keep going down to some waxes, some oils, lots of oils, more waters. Oh, I see green tea, green tea leaf extract, the Camilla sinensis leaf Mm -hmm. extract, oat kernel flour, Mm -hmm. flour, um, Oswala serrata. We've got, and you you get a tetrapeptide 14, all the, and then some ceramides at the bottom. So hefty and generally not, the aisle is not that helpful. Yeah, no, not at all. And I would say the first big chunk of it is very much just structure focused. Mm-hmm. So this is a leave-on mask and it's um, kind of heavy on the oil side. So it's probably telling that it's um, going to be hydrating and a little bit lightly occlusive to give you that high, um, that general plump and um, I guess soothing feel. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the active ingredients, I will say this is where that peptide piqued our interest. And it's yeah. a li- but it's hard for us to decode based on just ingredient lists because- exactly. Peptides are mysterious and just based on the inky, it's hard for even us to suss out just which one they're using. I'm so glad you called that out because peptides are actually a decent sized category in the soothing realm. Yes. Something you probably didn't know, but it does require a lot of testing to know if it's actually helpful. Um, and so if you look at some of the marketing materials that they share, they have a before and after, which is quite convincing, but there's not a lot of details on it. Um, they also have um, a claim that says clinically proven to improve visible redness and hydration overnight. But I think what's actually getting asterisked is probably the before and after because in the fine print it says clinical results of a 28-day dermatologist-led clinical trial with use once a day in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this is where I highly recommend if you are looking in this category we would like you to go to the brand mm-hmm. page and actually try to read through some of the, the testing because it'll give you a much better picture than what would you find if, let's say, you bought this at Sephora yep. or Ulta or wherever. Um, so in their consumer perception, they said that 97% felt this mask smooth, softened, and hydrated their skin after one night. So that's the actual overnight claim. Mm-hmm. Um, but after one week, 93% felt their skin was left calm and refreshed. said their skin felt rejuvenated. They have another clinical study. This was actually used in conjunction with their foaming oil cleanser, Mm -hmm. where they say clinically proven to increase hydration, improve radiance and luminosity, reduce visible redness, blotchiness, and the appearance of spider veins. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm kind of like, I think we say better because if you look at just the before and after and this, this very nicely uh, what am I trying to say? They're really convincing before <laughs> <Yeah>. after picture. <laughs> if you look at the before and after and their marketing uh, claims on, let's say, a Sephora website, 
it doesn't really quite give you the full picture. And so it's and you kind of have to read through a little bit of their consumer perception versus clinical study. I do find it still a little confusing. I do think the concept of an overnight mask yeah. kind of like, a, oh, it doesn't hurt to mm. try it kind of skew. But at the same time, um, just based on the study, they have that one really, really good picture. It looks super convincing. Mm-hmm. But even though they did a 28-day study, it's at least not super clear to me how many people saw that. Yes. There's no... There's no it's stats. very generic, right? Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. no stats around the actual yeah. clinical, which still puts it in that whole slightly mysterious box. Yes. So, but much better than the could be better category. Yeah. Actually, I have a quick question. Yes. They call it a mask, but is it a leave-on? Is it because the ingredient list reads more like a pretty standard cream? I believe it's a leave-on, but I agree. Question. Let Holy. us double check the instructions. How to use apply night under or in place of your night cream. Oh, okay, cool. So, because calling a mask, I, I'm starting to hate that word. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, you never know what a mask means now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At first, I was like, oh, I'd be shocked if they give that good of efficacy if it's a rinse off product. But it makes sense. It's like considered a soothing night cream, really. Sleeping mask. Yeah, it's got a good amount of um, waxes and mm-hmm. oil. So it you most likely wouldn't need another cream on top of this. Totally. All right, let's move on to our best. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, you probably would never expect us to tout this as the best, but you'll see why. Um, a brand we never talk Actually, about. we really never talk about is them. Estee Lauder. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But I found that based on... The just sheer amount of testing they done, we would say this is the best. And obviously you can't compete with their massive budget. Mm -hmm. So this is Estee Lauder's new advanced night repair in their family. Advanced night repair rescue solution with 15% bifidus ferment. I will say when I heard bifidus ferment, I was like, (laughs) wow, that's really exciting. (laughs) That's one where I'm like, I feel like some um, the big brands really Mm -hmm. try to tout it. But I'm like, I don't get it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So. They did a lot to figure out if bifida ferment was actually helpful. Some other call-out actives they have is a soothing yeast extract and some of their proprietary um, peptides. I'll go through the ingredient list, um, just a few, but it's water, bifida ferment lysate, pegate, butylene glycol, glycerin, polysorbate. Um, you've got more. Uh, you've got a bis peg 18 methyl ether dimethyl silane, and then their tripeptide 32, their hydrolyzed yeast protein, da 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 this would be considered, I guess, like your soothing serum. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they've done is they've done six tests. I feel like this is literally Estee Lauder's way of like putting a suitcase full of money on the table and be like, hey, I'm Estee Lauder. So <laughs> this is what I want to do. Here's my suitcase full of money. Yes. And rightfully so, because if you look at some of these claims, you're like, wow, I don't even know how and why and what was the thought process. But the first test they looked at is after, so they did a clinical test on 25 women. This is measured um, in the first study. They did, they wanted to use this product as a, after the treatment to see if they could reduce redness from this treatment. So immediate one-time use. So for the first study, um, they wanted to use this post-treatment. So they tested it on 25 women. Um, this was measured for 150 minutes. And the claim is that it fights the look of redness by 48%. Wait, what? Oh, okay. So it's a one-time application Mm -hmm. and it just tracks skin's progress over the next like two and a half hours to see what that one application does. Yes. So that was the first for 25 subjects. So generally small, I guess. 
normal for a clinical. I do kind of laugh at the lingo, though. What's the fights the look of retinas? Like, is it retinas <laughs> reduction? Is it kind of pink afterwards? <laughs> it's a good point. And no, it's, I'm really glad you brought this up because when we get into the meat, you'll understand how annoying redness as a claim is. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that that's a very good question to ask so. you resist skin resisted the urge to be read <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so in the second study they did this was on a consumer test of 273 Whoa, women flexing the money <laughs> yes. and the one claim that they're sharing is immediately 90 percent said skin felt calm and soothed wait so this is still a one-time application right afterwards how do you feel i don't think it's uh um, necessarily the test itself was after one application but the one like claim they're sharing is that after immediate use 90 mm-hmm. percent said skin felt calm and soothed got it okay consumer perception we're gonna just i guess more robust consumer perception they literally just threw a picnic for 273 women come on in <laughs> use this thing here's There's your banana be more right <laughs> and your metro ticket see ya um okay then they did clinical testing on 25 women mm-hmm this is after in one application, it helps reinforce skin's barrier. Mr. Locker, <laughs> I have so many questions. Yes, Gloria, please. Reinforce how? What do you mean reinforce? Like, are we measuring tool? Are we measuring a feeling? All great questions. <laughs> okay. They did not share. But okay. this was, this is one of their, this is actual clinical, a measured, um, or I guess expert graded, possibly. Mm-hmm. I think this would have to be instrumental mm-hmm. um, measurement taken. Yeah. All right. Boom. There's more. They did another consumer perception study. This time it's on 216 women. This is after using a product for one week. Okay. I have now I have a lot of questions about this whole development time point. I can't decide if reading through this journey that they're doing I'm reading it as if they're doing these tests Mm -hmm. one after another, like sequentially. Mm -hmm. I can't decide if it's like, oh, this first test, the result is so good. We'll go proceed to the Mm -hmm. next one. Oh, the result's so good. We proceed to the third. Uh, second and third one or it's like okay this project is on cpr let's run one more test we have to find the right claim for it yeah so i so i it's mind-blowing what they share and uh-huh. i i don't know i just it's it's a mystery but the sheer amount of studies they did on this is is just puzzling so mm-hmm. yeah um did i did we actually share about those oh no 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 okay, not for so, clinical test number four <laughs> okay okay so for Consumer perception study Mm. with the 216 women. The claim that they share is that in one week, 88% said skin felt less sensitized. That's good. That's good. All right. Moving on to next consumer perception study. I'm tired. (laughs) This time they tested on 269 women. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, yeah, the sheer sizes of these studies are impressive. But um, this is after using the product for three weeks. In three weeks, 94% said skin felt less stressed. 96% said it helped skin feel recovered from daily environmental stressors. How does one feel that mm, today, the environmental stressors, <laughs> I got to the ha-ha. I, and yes, I think that's why Gloria and I are sometimes skeptical of consumer <laughs> perception is because of some of the lingo that is used that they make these subjects have to answer. Because I guarantee the average person is not thinking about if their skin is truly stressed yeah. or not. Victoria and I are definitely not considered the average consumer anymore. Right. Hope you guys know that. <laughs> but <laughs> if you give me a survey and ask me, hey, does your skin feel better recover from your daily environmental stresses? I'm going to be like, 
what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what does that even mean? So yes. And then 91% said visible signs of skin sensitivity were reduced. Mm. Okay. Okay. And- <laughs> to sum up, I feel like, and I, there's still one more study left, but I feel like for some of these, they really wanted an immediate claim mm-hmm. because generally for those who are dealing with soothing or looking for maybe skin sensitivity, they need something that's going to help their skin out in the next few days. Yeah. Right. So maybe that's why they're just like, it kind of feels like they're like searching for this claim, but couldn't really grasp it or is trying to solidify that, but couldn't capture it. I am so curious what actually went down because we're talking three. Okay. First of all, that's three consumer perception studies, all with 200 plus people. Mm -hmm. So first of all, to get like the 94% agrees da, 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 type mm-hmm. of claim, it's much more impressive because you are dealing with a lot of people. So mm-hmm. say 190, 200 people out of 214 agrees mm-hmm. is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But I will say you, you, you took in 273 women. You asked them how it feels immediately afterwards. Why don't you send them home with some products and keep going with the one week and three weeks? Maybe? I think so. That's the thing is like, I, I have a feeling they they did do stuff like that. They just don't share that. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wouldn't, I would be baffled why they wouldn't after one application. Oh, they only didn't. I, I just don't believe that they just had this one claim. So usually with consumer perception, it's a whole booklet of questions. Yeah. So yeah, I, but these are the stats that they share. Oh, yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. Finally, they did a clinical test. Mm. Um, this is on 23 women versus a control, the product was applied 25 minutes after a 50% glycolic acid peel treatment mm-hmm. and then measured at one hour after application. And this claim is that 81% redness reduction, um, this, there's a typo there, but 81% <laughs> redness reduction uh, after one hour um, after the 50% glycolic acid peel. And I feel like that is the one stat that I like. Yeah, I don't know. actually walking away from this. I was like, there it is. I'm waiting for a good one. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the other thing is like, I feel like this also captures the difficulty with redness mm-hmm. because I think at the end of the day, they really wanted a redness claim and it took them, well, this is like my fun theory. It took them six studies to get the, this claim. Yeah, <laughs> I think I totally agree. And it seems like the first couple the first clinical mm. and then the three consumer perception they want to just recruit people that comes in with redness or maybe identifies a sensitive, sensitive skin, skin. Yeah. and they come in and these people probably all have different degrees of redness different reasons why their skin is red and or irritated and the stats probably look garbage because you know if your baseline is not starting out the same uh, the root cause of the redness is all different so does this work for these different causes you don't know and then they're like fuck it. <laughs> We're going to give you a come in. We're going to induce irritation with a chemical peel. <laughs> See if you love the redness. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like the robustness of this, this will be your best case scenario. And we should also say when we say could be better, better and best, this is not necessarily to say we're ranking the products themselves. Yeah. This is really just to give you an idea of like the amount of information you might want to process before purchasing some of these products because this realm is wild. And just like Gloria painted the, a really good picture that redness stems from many different causes and they are not all treated in the same way. Mm-hmm. So they all can react differently. So yeah, there you go. I do think, um, <laughs> I think of the three, 
I know Estee Lauder took all the time to six yeah. studies. I think I would actually uh, aim to try skin fixes first, mm. just because it's like a lower level of investment. Yeah. And I feel like, at least for me personally, I feel like I am someone that is prone to some irritation mm. and some redness, mm. not quite full on flushing, but mm-hmm. definitely irritation. So to me, it's like, eh, doesn't hurt. Yeah. But the Estee Lauder one, it's more like, oh, okay, if I am very hypersensitized, I do use a lot of AJs and sometimes like I overdo it just a little bit. It feels more targeted towards a scenario where your skin is extra irritated. So, I also do feel um, like it's that iconic soothing serum. Yeah. It's like, Anybody that wants to just have like um, a soothing aspect in their routine like daily, Mm -hmm. I feel like that would be the place for it. But am I going to use this as like basically my skin fixer? I I don't really know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I do feel like (laughs) this is going off tangent, but there must be. Someone and I say Lauder really feels like Bifidas is their true love. I'm not giving up on you. Just one more test. We got we got you. We are gonna make it happen. You're good. I know you're good. One more test and we will get it done. You know, kudos to them because there are some, there are many brands out there that have their own proprietary thing and they that's just an absolute mystery. Includes it in everything, yep. but an absolute mystery. So I don't know. This is all the info that they share if you go to their product page. So there's a lot of this where Gloria and I kind of have to base it on our industry insider experience to kind of say like, uh, I think this is how they did their studies and whatnot. But yeah, it's it's just mind blowing the, the amount of subjects that they used, the claims that they choose to share. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, I would just focus on the redness reduction post AHA treatment aspect. That's so true. I yeah. am so curious about the rest of the results that they don't show. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, um, all right. We should sum all this up. Um, one of the things is um, if you dabble in this realm mm-hmm. the and you actually try to do decodes, it's actually kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that the active diversity in this realm is probably the most. Mm-hmm. I feel like with any concern. That's so true. Yeah, you'll see peptides, plant stuff, ferments. You'll even see all the OG stuff like niacinamide. So it's like really confusing. You know what's funny is like niacinamide does have barrier care yes. um, testing and data. And that's why it's touted so much. But at this point in my career, <laughs> I get very annoyed if I see niacinamide on a soothing yeah. product. Like, okay. But they feel like that's part of that. And for some reason helps with I've even seen it under redness, which I don't understand yeah I know. <laughs> stretching or reach um yeah and then uh we will get into this in the meats episode next week but hopefully you can tell that the claims here are super confusing um there's sensitive skin there's redness there's dry patches there's skin calming um and all of that if you actually look at the bio and whatnot their trigger their triggers are from all different yep. scenarios, yep. all different reasons. And so this is why Gloria and I we feel generally very skeptical of this realm or feel the need to really dissect or mm-hmm. and sometimes don't even have really good answers. Realize that it's it is really hard to communicate to you. And it really boils down to all these things. In a, in a lot of ways, they're symptoms of something you're going through, yeah. right? Your skin is irritated because of XYZ things. And what what causes that feeling is different. So it's hard to find the right product. It's even hard for products to communicate to people with that specific type of irritation or redness. Totally, yeah. Anyways, that's a decode. Was that helpful? That was helpful. (laughs) Tell us we're helpful. (laughs) All right, we're going to wrap this episode up with a couple questions. The first one is from our friend Sansu. 
She asks, what are peptides effective concentrations in formulas since products often contain so little of them, even though it's not disclosed most of the time with vastly variable peptides on the market? How can we be aware as consumers to find effective ones? Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh... Last time, Gloria asked me about copper peptides, and I did not like that question. This time, I'm making Gloria also answer a more very difficult question. But I thought this was really good because it literally captures our feelings. <laughs> so we're going to have to be bad news bears here. There's very little you can yeah. do as a consumer to figure yeah. it out because the reality is, um, for us, when we're looking at ingredient lists, and you see tripeptide 28 or whatever, we can go up, we can try to look into it to see if it's a unique ingredient name. Yeah. And some of the more common ones, like, I don't know, I'm making up numbers now. It can be tetra tetrapeptide 4 or something like that. And what that means coming from different suppliers, different sources can vary wildly in between. And the name, the um, ingredient name for peptides doesn't actually tell you the structure of this peptide. Yeah. So there is nothing you can do to really decode. Even for us, we have to rely on data from the producers of these peptides. There's based on ingredient names, can't tell you anything. And sometimes you get lucky. Um, sometimes if you Google the name, it might point you to the peptide that it, that it is and maybe some data around it. But the reality is sometimes there are like conflicting names like or like names that's used for different types of products from different sourcing. So here, for the, um, the best course of action is, number one is the oldies, but goodies, like one's trade names that's already well-known, like Soderma has, we did a collab with Soderma last year. They created Matrixel, which is very well-known, and they have a line of other um, Matrixel S um, Family members, family, family peptides. Yeah, and, and we'll tell you what, they're dupes out there, like yes. Matrixel, that uses very similar inking names to Matrixel that can make it very confusing. So this is one... Uh, if a brand is willing to use its trade name and identify the peptide, it probably has decent data backing it or else there's no reason for you to get the trade name. Um, I think the second part is the testing on the actual product itself. We do a lot of decodes this year, specifically because we see now that um, brands are doing a lot more consumer perception mm -hmm. and sometimes even clinicals, and it can be confusing to navigate. But <clears throat> if you know how to read the testing and derive the information you need from it, it's a, it's a good way to gauge the actual product. Third but not least is just, I don't, yeah, I don't have another takeaway. Well, I was going to say to the second point is that we can also tell you that peptides in formulas can behave very differently. Um, there's basically the way that it's formulated can actually help or hinder its actual efficacy, which is why we, in this realm, all we can look towards as consumers is to the testing that the brand does on that specific product. Um, that's your surefire way of, of getting any sense of that benefit. But in terms of what concentration to aim for, what inky to look for, there's probably Nothing no way do, of finding yeah. that out because a lot of times these peptides are coming in blends as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I actually didn't even address the point you made about how um, peptides are low use products. You um, Peptides are sometimes supplied in a blend, right? Yeah. In a stabilized blend or it's in a base of some sort. Mm -hmm. And you might need, um, when you're formulating, you might need 1% to 3% of the blend. This is where the training part can be helpful. Um, so for example, in our double play, we use 2% haloxyl. And that doesn't mean we have 2% peptides, but this is a supplied and this is a proven concentration of haloxyl that's going to help. So that's what we use. But a lot of peptides, some peptides on the market are supplied as very concentrated formulas and you might only need 0.005% to see an effect. It just varies too widely. Yeah. And what's also not helpful is not every peptide is, just keep in mind that sometimes people think that peptides are only for like anti-aging, mm -hmm. but they also target 
other benefits as well, like we mentioned with soothing. So there's also that component as well. So yeah. we gave you a very long rant to bring you some bad <laughs> news to say that it's not very helpful to decode. Mm-hmm. So. Sorry. Oh, sorry about that. Um, but look for any sort of testing here. All right. Second question. This person asks, are derivatives really more stable over time? I tried a THD ascorbate ascorbate serum over time and it turned darker and got lumpy over time. So I did want to say most derivatives are created to overcome stability. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that she's seeing this sort of instability happen, we would want to know what else is in the product because where, like how you formulate these that doesn't mean that it's going to be 100% stable. It's going to be marginally better than the original. So we would ask like, oh, it sounds like, is it truly this um, active or is there other actives? A lot of times these are blended with other things that also aren't stable and that they can collectively hate each other. Mm-hmm. So it really just depends. But we would say that if you are noticing something like that, where it gets darker, the formula is starting to change. Yeah, that's a pretty bad sign. We would also say it's probably time to let that go. Yeah, for sure. And um, that's such a good point. In the specific case of THD ascorbate, I I do think there's a class of people that's like, oh, it's a derivative. And and it is touted as the more stable vitamin C. And people think it's it's stable, period. It's two different concepts. Most derivatives, like Victoria mentioned, is more stable, (laughs) but not completely stable. So definitely still store it at a cool temperature. And I do want to mention that THD uh, ascorbate is oil soluble so you will get these serums usually in um in light emulsions and i have seen some separations happen too it doesn't mean necessarily mean the thd ascorbate has gone bad it just means it wasn't very thoughtfully formulated (laughs) (laughs) so the product itself is uh and less trustworthy (laughs) but there probably could be other better formulated thd ascorbate products so yes exactly if you need help let us know yes all right that is the end of this episode uh, we hope this was helpful. Very, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you let us know. But otherwise, Corey, where can they find us? You can find us on our website at chemistconfessions.com. You can write to us at info at chemistconfessions.com. DM us your questions on Instagram at chemist.confessions. If you have a question about this episode or anything else, you can mm-hmm. leave it in the comments below as well. Next week, we'll be uh, even more dense about the, this episode. So uh, All that. about sensitive skin. Yay! All right, guys. Hope you enjoy. Thank you. Bye-bye.